What's up, everybody? Welcome to Down in the Den. It's your boy, Mars. Happy New Year to everyone. And uh, this is episode four. Now, we're going to do things a little bit different today. We are going to be continuing with our uh, best stuff of the tens, but we're going to have a special episode today for episode four because I have finally seen Star Wars rise of skywalker and and i have to do my review uh first off a lot of people are hating on this movie a lot of people are disappointed on the way that they wrapped up the skywalker saga but i'm going to be completely honest i love this movie there was definitely some areas of opportunity uh you may even want to call it the rise of fan service because uh, there was a ton of fan service in this movie but at the end of the day after the travesty of the last jedi i'm not mad uh i feel jj abrams had a lot to overcome he came into the process very late a lot of people do not realize that he was not originally uh, scheduled to direct this movie um colin trevorrow i I believe I'm, i'm sure i'm butchering his name but he was originally supposed to direct this film and and left and J.J. Abrams came in late, and he had to really start from scratch with a set-in-stone release date, and I think he really did a good job. On top of that, he had to pick up story threads that, or repair story threads that were damaged by The Last Jedi, and he had to deal with the unfortunate passing of Carrie Fisher, so you take all of that into account, And I think it was a pretty darn uh, good Star Wars movie. So I'm going to get into my review. I know there's a ton of reviews out there. I'm late, but uh, I wanted to wait until everything had kind of died down before I went to see it. I went on a matinee in the afternoon when no one was there on a Tuesday when I was off. And I checked it out. It was maybe two or three people in the theater. And the two and three people that were there, we all had the same ah and ooh moments. So uh, let's just get into it. Uh, the first thing I noticed was the opening crawl. Um, they did not hesitate or shy away from the fact that Palpatine was back. Right in the opening crawl, it's right there. A voice from the dead is returned. Emperor Palpatine is back, and they get right into it, right from the jump. And the movie opens with uh, Kylo Ren, and I believe he's on Mustafar. It's never really explicitly explained, but you see him on on Mustafar. He's looking for a battle. It appears he goes to Star Wars. I'm sorry, uh, Star Wars. It appears he goes to Vader's castle. He finds a Sith Wayfinder, and we're on. And uh, he meets up with Palpatine, and this is in the first 10 minutes. He uh, meets up with Palpatine, and... Um, Pretty much Palpatine tells him, hey, I've been manipulating you your entire life. Uh, I'm the reason you're on the dark side, and I have this fleet that's ready for you, and it's all yours. All you have to do is bring me the scavenger. Bring me Ray. That's all we have to do. And uh, he says, Ray is different. And then we cut to Finn and Chewie and uh, Poe, in the Millennium Falcon on a mission. I really feel, I don't know if that was J.J. or the editors, why they didn't cut to Ray. After that, I felt it was a little strange. And there were a couple of situations like that in the editing that was a little janky to me. 
But overall, like I said, still a, a great movie, a fun movie. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I give it a, a overall, I, I give it an 8 out of 10. I give it an 8 out of 10. It, it, it was pretty good. Now, um, from there, and, uh, you know, at this point, it's been out for almost a month. So I'm not going to say spoiler alerts. If you haven't seen it yet, you probably shouldn't be on the podcast. But uh, from there, we see uh, Poe and, and and the guys and, and Finn on a mission. And they're in the Millennium Falcon trying to meet up with a spy uh, for the First Order. There's a spy in the First Order that gives them some data. They take the data into uh, back to the home base. And that's when you see, uh, you first see Ray. And she's been training, apparently, all this time since the end of The Last Jedi. And I don't think they explicitly made it clear how long it's been since the end of The Last Jedi. Um, I My best estimate is maybe a year or so. I'm not 100% certain. But uh, Leah is there. And uh, she's training uh, Rey. And it, it was really good to see her in the movie. Um, I feel for her not to have filmed live any of this footage and for them to be able to take and retrofit footage from previous movies into this, they did a pretty good job. Um, some things, the audio sound very strange to me. Um, and that's only, I, I think if I, if you didn't know she had passed away and say this movie came out and you didn't, for some odd reason, you didn't know she had passed away three years prior, you probably wouldn't have noticed it. But I feel the skeptic in you when you know this person is gone. You know they weren't actually there to uh, film it for this movie. You're looking for areas. Uh, I remember doing this when The Crow came out. You're looking for areas. Did the same thing when Paul Walker passed away in The Fast and Furious. You're looking for areas. Like, okay, where's where's she in? Where's the stunt person begin? And you can see it with the cuts, the close-ups. Um, the audio though was the biggest, you could tell they weren't recording this at the same time or with the same technology. So it seemed a bit odd, but overall I've seen worse. I feel what they did with Paul Walker, uh, it, it looked a lot worse. Uh, in, in fact, they used just a lot of shadows and voiceovers with Paul Walker for his situation, for the footage where he wasn't there. So, so this was pretty good and, and it shows to me that it's just a matter of time, uh, really. Uh, in fact, they're already doing it. I know they're doing a movie with James Dean, uh, apparently. So the technology is here. I, I feel the future is they're going to be able to use technology to put any star, past or present, into movies and have them fully interact, and, and you'll be unable to tell the difference. But... um it was pretty cool. You see Ray's training. She's once again doing phenomenal. She, a lot of people call her Mary Sue and, and are really upset with how quickly she mastered the force without any training. But later on, it, it makes sense. And, and the big surprise, which isn't really a surprise, and a lot of uh, fan fans had speculated that this would be the case, uh, you find out that Ray's a Palpatine, and that's why she's so powerful for the Force. She's the granddaughter of uh, Emperor Palpatine. Now, I feel it's kind of weird because not once 
in any of the other movies have we mentioned a wife for Palpatine, a lover for Palpatine, and I guess we could just assume, you know, of course he's a he's an emperor. He probably has a, a ton of women that he just used for his own carnal needs. It, it makes sense if you were the Sith that that would be the case. But the fact that it was never really mentioned, I felt it kind of out of left field. I think it would have been a lot cooler if she was maybe a Kenobi, perhaps, or something like that. But so be it. She's a Palpatine, which kind of makes sense why she was so drawn to the dark side of the Force uh, in the uh, other movies. But, uh, yeah, she's training. She meets up with uh, the other stars, uh, Finn and and Poe, and... Poe is kind of chastising her, like, hey, we needed you out there. You're our best fighter. You should have been out there. And she's pretty much like, look, I have to train. I have to complete my training. Kind of the opposite of Luke and uh, Empire Strikes Back. But she's like, I have to complete my training. They're like, you should have been there. Um, I don't know if it was awkward tension between Poe, if that was supposed to be the case. But, you know, just it was kind of strange there relationship to me it always seemed like poe was jealous of the relationship that finn had with ray and it always i always thought they were leading to a love story if you look at the force awakens it only seems natural that the love story would have been between finn and ray uh it's i don't know if it was just a deep friendship or he had a crush on her it never was clear and they kind of hinted at that several times through the movie uh finn had something to tell her in in dire situations and then poe kind of like a jealous uh girlfriend was like hey what were you telling her and he's like now it's not the time he he was like i want to know and i kind of speculated that maybe hey ray i'm in love with you but uh the director later came on to say that finn was force sensitive why at that time he would want to tell her when she's training and you have Leia there. It, it was just kind of weird. And, and they never came out. They, they came out through the movie several times and they never came out to say what it was. So once again, I don't know if that was editing or by design, whatever it may be. Uh, from there, they find out, okay, Palpatine is back. He has this massive fleet and they go on this plan to, uh, get to Etzegal, the planet of the Sith, and they found out that Luke had been looking for this planet for years. He wasn't able to find it, so they're going to go ahead and, and try to find it. So they go off on this mission uh, to find the Wayfinder so they can get to Etzegal. In the meantime, uh, as they're going on these uh, chases, we see Kylo Ren pretty much popping up. He's using, I like to call it, Force Skype, but he's essentially using his Force Skype abilities to track down Rey. And, and they're going back and forth with this tension. They're battling. And they go from one planet to uh, locate someone that can... Uh, well, they go on one planet to find uh, a dagger. This dagger is supposed to give them directions so they find the Wayfinder, the Sith Wayfinder. They find the dagger, and of course, no one reads Sith except for C3PO. And by the way, C3PO, uh, Anthony Daniels, great job. Uh, probably the best I've ever seen him. A lot of emotion 
was given, and uh, he did a fantastic job, probably one of my favorite parts, his arc in this movie. But they find out he can read it, but his programming forbids him to read it. So then we go into another mission. We have to find a uh, hacker that can pretty much erase C-3PO's uh, memories and allow him to read the Sith uh, language. So we go into another planet. I can't quite remember the name of the planet, but we find out that Poe has some history there, and he was a spice runner, a smuggler, in his heyday before joining the Resistance. And once again, I feel like the subplot was crammed in unnecessarily. Really don't know why it matters. You know, he was a spice runner. Yeah, Finn, you were a stormtrooper. Ray was a scavenger. Big deal. Everybody was something else before they became what they what they ultimately became. Luke was a farmer. Uh, Han was a smuggler. Uh, Leia was a princess before they became a general. Anakin was a slave. Palpatine was a senator. Everyone has a backstory. I, I don't really understand why it was important, except for to introduce a, a pseudo love interest for for Poe. Um, she was a fellow smuggler or spice runner, and they had a backstory, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then we meet uh, the hacker, who I, I can't remember his name. He's very popular. He's a little cute popular. He's no Baby Yoda, but he's pretty cute. He hacks into C-3PO, but he erases his memory. And then it was awkward because C-3PO is like, oh, I'm a protocol droid. Happy to meet you. Happy to introduce you. So we get that. And they mentioned, hey, can't R2-D2 just back you up? And he's like, oh, well, you know, R2-D2 is not really uh, the most reliable when it comes to that. But he doesn't have a choice. And he has a moment where he looks back and they ask him, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, looking at my friends one more time. I'm going to be honest. I had a bit of a tear in my eye when that came out. I, I don't know why the robot was the most emotional component or one of the most emotional components, but they really did a great job when you think about it, you know, that, hey, C-3PO has been in every single movie. His history with every single main character is a lot of happenstance, but, you know, it, it was an awesome moment. So from there, they find uh, Kylo, of course, follows him there, and they pretty much just bomb the planet to smithereens and everyone gets off at the same time but i'm, I'm skipping forward because uh even though i i saw the movie a couple days ago uh it's still a little cloudy so excuse me if i'm skipping back and forth but uh ray has a when you find out for certain or pretty much okay she's a palpatine uh earlier when they got the dagger uh, Chewbacca gets captured. So he's on a transport ship and Ray's trying to save him and she's using the force to literally hold the ship in the sky still, which was a pretty cool moment. And then Kylo Ren, who the moment that you saw in the trailer where she's waiting for the ship and then she flips over the ship when they didn't show in the trailer, that was Kylo Ren's ship. She flips over, cuts the wing, ship blows up. You're like for a split second, is Kylo dead? Did she just take him out like that? But boom, here he comes, flames behind him, perfectly unscathed. He walks off. He grabs the ship. So they're having a force battle to pull this ship, and Ray just kind of snaps, get enraged. Oh, my God, force lightning. 
who's famous for Force Lightning? Emperor Palpatine. So she uses the Force Lightning. Boom, the ship blows up. Everyone's like, Chewie! You assume Chewie's dead. Why she didn't feel him in the Force is weird. Maybe it was her rage and confusion. But she's so upset that she pretty much just leaves and goes to Arc 2. I believe that's the name of the planet. The same planet where um, Luke had put himself in isolation after uh, the Jedi, uh, his Jedi class was pretty much destroyed by Kylo Ren. So she goes to Arc 2 and she just burns Kylo's ship and she's super upset and she's going to put herself in isolation too because she just feels the dark side is too powerful for her and she finds out she's a Palpatine and she's just ready to give it all up. She's just discouraged and she throws her lightsaber into the fire and who catches it? None other than the force ghosts of Luke which I always wonder if these force ghosts can interact so easily with the outside world Luke, where are you? You're one with the Force. Help me out. You're a Force ghost, yes, but you can interact. Help me out. But he comes and gives us some encouraging words. This is a lot more positive Luke Skywalker, kind of what I expected in The uh, Last Jedi, but this is a more positive Luke Skywalker. He pretty much tells her, hey, I was wrong. I shouldn't have isolated myself. Respect a Jedi's weapon. As a matter of fact, here's Leah's. Uh, lightsaber as well which was pretty cool Uh, as well as hey you don't need another wayfinder because you have Kylo's ship and guess what was in Kylo's ship the wayfinder how she didn't notice that is beyond me but uh, on top of that he's like and that's not all here's another parting gift he raises his ship out of the water which was a really cool callback from the last Jedi where you saw his ship under the water when they were in Arch 2 and great it works doesn't even need a jump pardon me doesn't need a jump and she uses wayfinder and she's off to Etzegal. uh and in the meantime and i feel like i'm missing something there was another big battle uh with uh they land on this other planet oh okay now now i remember so they get the wayfinder they go to one of the moons of endor uh and very tongue-in-cheek some of the dialogue even though i love this movie some of the dialogue you're like come on they're like we have to go to the battle of indoor or uh, one of the moons of indoor and then finn says where the last war ended yes we know we've all seen return of the jedi i don't blame uh i i don't blame john boyega it has nothing to do with him but the line is kind of uh grown worthy But they go to uh, one of the moons of Endor. You see the Death Star uh, that had crashed in there. And once again, uh, there's a battle between Rey and a battle between Kylo Ren. And uh, it was really cool because for once, pretty much both movies, in my opinion, Kylo Ren, who's the grandson of, of Anakin, who's the nephew of Luke, who's the son of uh, Leia, who's been trained since he was young by Luke. And then pretty much Rey has just been toppling him every single movie without any training. And that always bothered me. For once, he got the better, better of her in battle. And if he wanted to take her out, he most definitely could have. But 
he was distracted by Leia, who pretty much used her. It was, it was great how they, they gave her a proper and fair send-off. Uh, Maz Kanata, Lupita Nyong'o's character, says pretty much, hey, to reach her son, she's going to lose use the last bit of strength she has left in the Force to reach out to him. And, and she touches him. She, she just a simple bend. And that was enough for... Uh, Kylo to be distracted and in that moment Ray takes his lightsaber stabs him in the gut and Ben's pretty much dying and uh, I don't know if she had merged with with uh, Ben at that time or the fact that he was stabbed it it, it took her out but pretty much it, it ruined the rest of her life force and Leia dies. You see her hand goes limp and she dies. And it's a really sad moment. Sad more so because we know we lost our princess for real. And, and rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. She's a great role model for uh, young woman, women everywhere. But uh, at that moment, Kylo Ren is pretty much dead. And this actually happened before she stole the ship. So I apologize. I was out of order. Kylo Ren is pretty much dead. And you know, you can see Ray so upset. She force heals uh, Kylo Ren. And she does this a couple of times during the movie. Uh, and there's a, a reason for it. There's a payoff at the end. But she force heals Kylo. And she pretty much tells him, yes, I wanted to take your hand in The Last Jedi. But I didn't want to take Kylo Ren's hand. I wanted to take Ben's hand. And she leaves off in the ship. And right then and there... Uh, one of the cooler moments, one of the most unexpected moments, and I purposely stayed away from all spoilers and, and most reviews, so I, I would be surprised, and the theater visibly was surprised. He sees a vision of Han Solo. Why he looks different is weird. His hair is a little bit longer, but, you know, whatever. You get Harrison Ford back. I'm not going to lift a, look a gift horse in the mouth. And he pretty much tells him, and it's, it's almost uh, word for word, uh, a replay of what happened in The Force Awakens. He's like, I know what I have to do. Uh, I was just waiting for him to say, will you help me? And uh, he says, your son is something to the effect of your son's gone. And Han Solo tells him, no, Kylo Ren is gone, but Ben Solo is very much alive. And Ben throws his lightsaber away. And right then he's, he's redemption. The redemption that many people have happened uh, or was hoping for has finally happened. And then we don't see much more of him at that moment. Also, um, just some other points, and I'm, I'm going to, because like I said, I, I'm rambling on because there's so much going on in my head. But uh, we find out that they're, the spy that was in the force was none other than Hux. Uh, but it wasn't because he was actually a good guy. He just really hated Kylo Ren. So he ultimately got caught after letting Finn and everyone free. He ultimately gets caught and killed and, you know, okay, whatever. Hutz was kind of a, a wussy. No one cared about Hutz anyway. And he wasn't my favorite character anyway. So he's taken out and now we have a new general that's taken over. And he's pretty much working directly with Palpatine. And he says something like, and hopefully this will be in the hidden scenes, I, I, I'll be working with you just like I was in the past. I don't know if he always knew Palpatine was around. I'm not even sure how Palpatine got all the resources to build this armada, but whatever. Uh, we'll suspend the belief. Um, they, they weren't even really clear 
on how he survived. He pretty much insinuated that he was dead. And then uh, Dominic Monaghan, I believe his character says something about cloning Sith magic dark side. That's it. He's back, whatever it may be. I would have liked a little bit more payoff for that once again. And I don't know if Palpatine was always designed to come back or this is something they created because they killed Snoke off. Not quite sure, but uh, it is what it is. And I also felt it was kind of weird that even though Kylo always planned to betray Palpatine, I feel he should have turned to the light side when he found out that he was being manipulated the whole time. And he was the reason that you killed your father and the reason you turned on Luke and the reason you were seduced by the dark side. And he created Snoke, but instead he approached it more of, well, I want your army for my own purposes. Kind of weird, but uh, I, I feel there was an area of opportunity there, certainly. Um, long story less long, uh, Ray is reinvigorated by her talk with Luke. She leaves a trail behind so the rest of the resistance can follow her to Etzegal. And she goes there one-on-one to meet with uh, Palpatine and destroy him. And obviously, Palpatine at at the current state, he's hooked, hooked up to what I could only describe as an external Darth Vader suit. He's kind of hooked up to this machine and he's just kind of hanging there. And he's really decrepit. Half of his fingers are gone. Uh, his eyes are all white, kind of like a corpse. He, he he looks in bad shape. So you can certainly see that for these last 30 some odd years, he has been in bad shape. And, and when you get to Etzgal, it's weird because you see all of these Sith, like literally a whole stadium full of Sith. And I don't know if they're spirits or they're actual Sith. It, it wasn't really clear. But they're waiting for him. And he pretty much tells Ray, this is a lose-lose situation from you. You're a Palpatine. You're going to be the Empress. You want to kill me, and I want you to kill me. Because when you do, my spirit will merge into yours. As well as all of the spirits of all the Sith prior. And we're going to take over the galaxy. And of course, she refuses. He uh, lifts the roof or blows the roof off and just start shooting lightning at the resistance fleet and they pretty much are just wrecked. He just single-handedly takes out their whole fleet and he's like, unless you want your friends to die, you're going to do it. She agrees. And then who do we see in the J crew sweater? Ben Solo. He's back. He comes there with a blaster to Etzegal and he is uh, met by the Knights of Ren who had a very minor part. They, uh, I really thought they were going to be really cool when they talked about them and described them and that they were going to have a personality. But they were just nameless, mask, maskless cannon fodder. And they're pretty much seven against one or six against one, however many of them there were. And they're taking out Ben. And that's when Ray senses Ben in the Force. And she uses her Force Teleport, which is a, a, a new tool to teleport Anakin's uh, lightsaber to Ben. And once Ben gets the lightsaber, it's short work for the rest of the Knights of Ren. They should have known. They had no clue that they could, uh, they had no chance against uh, Ben. And he, he, once again, in fact, he was definitely the MVP of this entire series. He had my favorite parts in all three movies, but Adam Driver is, uh, is a phenomenal actor and he, he did 
really, really well uh, with what he was given. And he was given some some suspect material sometimes, but he always was believable in this role. He did a really good job. So he comes there, and it was also one of my favorite parts uh, of all the movies. Or when, when they were battling or when they were side by side, I would have loved to seen that union of a, a essentially a Skywalker and a Palpatine uh, coming back to lead the Jedi. It, it, it would have been my desire ending. We find out that they were a dyad in the Force, which is something I'm not too familiar. I've been a Star Wars fan since I was probably uh, four years old, but I, I never heard the term dyad in the Force. And somehow Ben or Kylo Ren, whatever you want to call him, knew they were a dyad Force, but the man who manipulated and was the puppet master didn't until that very moment when they were face-to-face. So they light their lightsabers. You have uh, Ben with Anakin's lightsaber. You have uh, Ray with Leia's lightsaber. And they're face-to-face with, with Palpatine. And he just pretty much pulls a Shang song and sucks their life force. He's like, oh, you know what? I don't need to go into your body. I will just take the life force from the both of you. And it was pretty cool. You see his fingers growing back. He gets stronger. And then his eyes turn that classic Sith yellow. And you're like, all right, it's a wrap. He's he's recharged. He's back. And you can see all of the Sith spirits or hooded Sith figures are kind of cheering. And he's like, you're done. Thanks. Thanks. I don't need you anymore. I'm going to kill both of you. And then he does a really, I would have loved more of a battle between them. A lightsaber battle, perhaps, would have been awesome. But he pretty much just picks up Kylo Ren or Ben Solo at this point and says, just like I fell, you're going to fall too. He throws him down the chasm. And you're like, oh, well, that's it for Ben. And he falls down this chasm, lightning hits him. And uh, at this point, he does force lightning at Ray and uh, Ray gets up and she takes Leia's lightsaber and she's trying to deflect this force lightning but uh, that gives a little bit of opportunity for Poe and, and Finn on their mission to stop this uh, radar which in turn is sending the signal for the Sith Armada and by the way this uh, Sith Armada each ship pretty much is a Death Star so a little originality for their weapons. It's always a Death Star. It's a big Death Star, a mini Death Star, a bunch of Death Stars. For some reason, the Sith has one plan. Death Stars and more Death Stars. So uh, anyway, she's battling. Uh, it's not really much of a battle. He's just shooting Force Lightning, and she's using the lightsaber to try to deflect it. But he's overpowering her. And then at the last second, she uses the Force to... Uh, grab Anakin's lightsaber and once she gets that she puts him in the X, drives it back and pretty much similar to Thanos she just dusts Palpatine and that's it, he's boom pop goes the weasel, he is done uh, he's destroyed and you're like oh great, happy ending Finn is able to stop the ship he gets saved by Lando and I, I didn't mention earlier Lando came back so that was pretty cool but he's saved by Lando at the at the last second. And then Ray dies. Which is something that I'm not sure if it's because of the training or whatever it may be. But for some reason, 
uh, in this series of movies, the Force just drains people, which is weird since the other movies and the other canon uh, Star Wars it never really had anything about using the Force drains your life force. So I feel that was kind of weird and came out of nowhere with The Last Jedi. Uh, but it's a thing now. So apparently using too much force kills you. And Ray's dead. Uh, not dying. She's dead. Eyes open. Stiff as a board. She's dead. And I was like, okay, well, she, you know, she made a sacrifice. I, uh, and then you see a hand coming from the, the chasm. And it's Ben. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Literally, the rise of Skywalker. Because that's what uh, and the Emperor said before he threw him in the chasm. Uh, the last of the Skywalkers and tosses him down so he's rising and I'm like okay he's back he's been redeemed he's a good guy now maybe he's going to lead the force but he clutches uh, Ray and, and similar to how she healed him he puts his hand on her abdomen he heals her she's back they kiss which is I don't know if that was necessarily earned but they kiss and then Ben dies uh, which I was a little upset I would have liked to seen him survive and, you know, redeem all the things he did. But really, he's pretty much responsible for the death of uh, thousands, if not millions of people. I don't know if you can redeem him in any other way besides an honorable death. But he becomes one with the Force. That's another problem I had. I've always thought uh, that you had to be trained. And it's not something that's just natural. Uh, but... Uh, apparently that's the way it is. So he becomes one with the force and you see his body disappears. She doesn't really mourn well because, or mourn long because the planet is about to blow up as normal. She gets in her ship and they, uh, they go back to the base and they celebrate and you see everybody meeting with different people, uh, hugging and, and you see a strange interaction between there's a new character that they introduced specifically for this movie as I, her name is Jana in the movie, but I call her Lady Finn because she pretty much has the same exact bat story as Finn. And she's talking with Lando and she's like, I don't know my family. He's like, let's find her. Since there's only three black people pretty much in the entire uh, Star Wars universe, maybe he's her granddaughter. I, I, I don't know. I don't really know the purpose of that. I'm sure there was something on the cutting room floor, but uh, he's like, hey, let's help find your family. And uh, you see... Uh, Chewbacca uh, meet with Maz Kanata. He had a really good scene, and like I said, I'm going back and forth, but he had a really good scene where he is, uh, when he finds out Leia dies, and he just falls to his knees, and they did a really good job expressing that grief in, in their relationship. And um, Ray goes on to, uh, I guess, train. She, she goes to Tatooine, and she has Luke and... Uh, Leia's lightsaber, or really Anakin and Leia's lightsaber, and she uses the force to open uh, a hole in the ground, and she goes to Luke's old farmhouse and kind of goes through the burnt scrap, which was a really cool callback, and she goes to Tatooine, and she buries the lightsaber, and then you see, okay, she's becoming her own Jedi. She pulls out her lightsaber, which it looks like it's been modified from her staff, and she flips it on, and it's uh, orange-yellowish golden color you're like cool you know she has her own color she has her own lightsaber she's her own thing 
And then a stranger comes up to her and they're like, who are you? And she's like, I'm Ray. And they say, Ray who? Which is which is weird because uh, I don't know how many people ask for your last name. But she says, Ray who? And she looks over and you see the force ghosts of Luke and Leia. And she kind of glances at them and they glance at her. And she says, Ray Skywalker. And cut the black. So th- that was the that was overall movie and and it it, it was fun. Uh, there were some things, nitpicky things, but I think for what they had going against them, which was a lot, not a lot of time, new director, they did well. It, it was really good, and I'm just glad to get the Skywalker saga o- over because I feel Star Wars the whole. Uh, Going back and digging in the in the past of uh, the original series, the seventies and eighties series, is what hindered this new trilogy from being as good as it can be. Overall, I give the overall new trilogy a seven out of ten. I give the original trilogy of trilogy, of course, a, a nine out of ten. The only reason I don't give it a ten out of ten is because Ewoks, and I give the original. Uh, or sorry, not the original, but the prequel trilogy, uh, a six out of ten. So th- this trilogy was the second best out of, out of three trilogies. Uh, but I think two things could have really made it be as really, good, really as great as it can be. They could have learned from Kevin Feige and had an overall arc instead of just giving each director their own free reign. And, and, and sometimes it's good to be able to have free reign, but with a story like this, they needed to have their plot points figured out before they became filming it. So I think that would have been beneficial. Uh, second, as you can see with the Russos and what they do, when you have an overarching story, I feel it's really beneficial to have one voice in the room. Uh, or in the case of the Russo brothers, two voices, but one voice in the room to Shepard. You didn't have to have J.J. Abrams direct all three, but he should have been responsible for the story beats instead of letting each director do their own thing. Because what happened, this movie almost feels like episode eight instead of episode nine, because everything from episode eight was essentially thrown out, except for the things that we didn't want. I didn't want Luke Skywalker to die not a not this early not in the second movie without having some awesome battle scenes uh I didn't want to see um Captain Phasma get destroyed in the second movie it was a lot of things in the second movie which I I looked at again before I went to see Rise of Skywalker and visually it was great and I see what Ryan Johnson was trying to do uh, but you you just really can't do that with that particular IP because people have expectations, and I, I know he didn't want to just fall into those expectations, but sometimes it's okay. I always say if you ask for the big red bicycle for Christmas and you're good and everything's good and Santa gives you a blue scooter, you're going to be upset, and that's what Ryan Johnson did in my opinion an effort to be different 
he gave us the blue scooter when we wanted a bit red bicycle. But uh, with that being said, I think J.J. Abrams did a very commendable job with what he had, with the time he had, with what he had to work with. He did a lot of fan service, and he did that with The Force Awakens. There's nothing wrong with that. And overall, it was a really, really good movie. It was a fun movie. I liked it uh, a lot. I'll probably see it again, probably uh, buy it when it comes out uh, on Blu-ray. But overall, there were certain things, dialogue, uh, some odd choices, some odd editing beats that kept it from being a 10 out of 10, from being an A+, from being everything it could be. But a very satisfying ending to the Skywalker saga. And I'm hoping maybe 10, 15 years from now, if they do decide to do another trilogy, we can see the Jedi rise again. We can see an older Rey. We can see what became of Finn. I would love, although they've all come out and said they're not going to Disney Plus themselves, but I wouldn't mind seeing a six-episode series on Disney Plus where Finn starts training as a Jedi, I think that would be awesome. I would love to see uh, some more of the political intrigue of maybe uh, Poe becoming a, as he became a general, kind of leading the resistance into other things. It's a lot to be mine in that Star Wars universe. And the Mandalorian has proven that you don't really need Jedi, you don't need Skywalkers, you don't need Obi-Wan, you don't need Darth Vader, you don't need all of this older cool material that we all love to to make a great Star Wars show. Mandalorian is probably not probably, in my opinion, the absolute best thing that has happened to Star Wars since Empire Strikes Back. And I'm, I'm talking to you Return of the Jedi, but the Mandalorian has been fantastic, amazing. So there's a lot of stuff to mind, but I want us to just leave the Han Solos. They're gone. Han Solo is dead. I hated the Han Solo um, prequel movie origin movie or whatever you want to say awful uh, i love rogue one so in that universe there's a lot of good things I, I'm, I like the rebel uh animated i like the clone war animated show so there's a lot of stuff to mine in there um but i, I want them to leave everything from the original trilogy leave that in the past uh, i want to see more uh jedi Hopefully, the Nets movies, I, I, it's been rumored that they're going to be doing a Knights of the Old Republic type movie, which could be interesting because they're talking about setting it 400 years before Phantom Menace, but you would still see Yoda. That would be cool, but honestly, I, I don't want to see any more of the past, really. I, I want to see more of the future of Star Wars, where this universe is heading. Hopefully, we can see what becomes of Baby Yoda. I think... With Dave Filoni and John Favreau in charge, and maybe Kathleen Kennedy kind of stepping back, I think Star Wars can have a really bright future. And hopefully, Disney bats up a Brinks truck of money to those two guys because what they've done with the Mandalorian is nothing short of amazing. But uh, that's my review of the Rise of Skywalker. That's my review of the new trilogy. Overall, like I said, I'll give it a 7 out of 10 for the new trilogy and an 8 out of 10 
Rise of Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker, uh, definitely worth a visit, and, and people are going to see it. Uh, it's a shame that it's making less than uh, the Last Jedi, but I think a lot of people were just burned from the Last Jedi. But a really good movie, and for all of those that are just hating and saying it's awful, it's not an awful movie. It, it's not an awful movie at all. It's a good, solid movie, and I definitely, definitely recommend checking it out. And let me know what you think. So uh, this has been another episode of Down in the Den with your boy Mars. I'm a little stuffy today. I'm a little sick, but I thank y'all for listening. And uh, put your comments. Tell me what you think. Uh, any feedback. Tell me what you thought of the movie, what you love, what you hated, what, it could, what could have been done better, and what do you want to see for the future of Star Wars. So that's all. That's my time today. Appreciate y'all for listening. Deuces.